This podcast is produced by Northwest Michigan Community Action Agency. The Collective Us, an NMCAA podcast, focuses on inspiring you through stories of those we've helped through our programming or by linking local resources to community members in need. Join us as we learn about the programs offered through NMCAA and how we touch people's lives every day. Hello and welcome to The Collective Us, an NMCAA podcast. We're so happy you're here. I'm your host, Erica Austin, and the marketing manager at NMCAA. Today, I have guest co-host Ryan Buck of New Leonard Media here with me. Thanks for coming back for episode two. How could you not want to? Thank you for having me. (laughs) You're so welcome. So today, we are talking about Older Americans Month and Meals on Wheels. And our guests today are Lisa Robachek, manager of Meals on Wheels of NMCAA. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. And Karen Burdick, one of our lovely volunteer drivers for NMCAA's Meals on Wheels program. Thanks for being here, Karen. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Lisa, Meals on Wheels is a nationwide program. We talked about this a little bit in the last episode about how it's recognizable and maybe it's not totally attributed to NMCAA. So it must be fun to talk about. But for anybody who hasn't encountered Meals on Wheels... What's the overview? What Mm -hmm. do you say? Mm -hmm. So it's interesting when you say that Meals on Wheels is a national program. Every Meals on Wheels program is local. So our Meals on Wheels program, we cover four counties, Grand Traverse, Leelanau, Misaki, and Wexford. But it's a program of NMCAA. But the interesting thing is you can go into any community throughout the United States and sometimes internationally, and you can find a Meals on Wheels program. And so the overview really is, um, you know, seniors have given their whole life for everybody else. They've been teachers, they've been veterans, they've been moms, dads, firefighters, and they've lived their life for everybody else. And now they want to desperately stay in their home. And Meals on Wheels is the most crucial thing they can do to do that. Right. And it's not just the meal delivered via wheels, (laughs) right? Is there a little more to that, even conversational, when you say, okay, yes, it is sustenance. It's something that you need but what else is there? There is more. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to start off and then I'm going to bring in Karen. So the first part is food is medicine. If people don't eat, they won't live. So that's why Meals on Wheels is one of the most crucial things. And it's delicious and it's nutritious. We put a lot of love in the meals, a lot of state guidelines to make sure they're nutritious. And like I said, a lot of love in the meals to make sure they're delicious. But Equally, or sometimes more important, it's so much more than a meal. And that's Mm -hmm. why I'm going to give it to Karen. Thanks, Lisa. Mm -hmm. I agree with you. I think it's the relationships that the drivers create with the people we deliver to. I've been on the route that I have now for a little over three years. So you get to know the people. You get to know their families, their spouses. You get to know their special interests and their hobbies. And so when you come, you're not just dropping off the meal, but you're going to stay a few minutes and you're going to see how they're doing. You're going to get to ask questions about what their family's up to or how they're feeling. We're also keeping our eyes open if there's any additional needs. And that's one thing most of the drivers do before we leave is, is there anything else we can do for you? Because I've moved a chair out of their way or called a daughter if they were concerned that they weren't feeling well. If we don't get answers at the door, we have a list of people that we can call their loved ones and let them know to check on them later. So in addition to the food, we're also a safety net for many of our folks. 
So much more than the meal. Yeah, that's incredible what you guys do as volunteer drivers. So I just want to turn focus just a little bit for we I had mentioned it's Older Americans Month. So I want to give a little background on that. So in April of 1963, a meeting was held between President John F. Kennedy and the members of the National Council of Senior Citizens, leading to the designation of May as Senior Citizens Month, now known as Older Americans Month. So this month is observed as an appreciation of past and present older Americans for their contributions to the country and their communities. So, Lisa, how is Meals on Wheels of NMCAA celebrating Older Americans Month this year? Mm -hmm. Well, and every year there's a theme. The organization that does it comes up with a theme. And this year is Unbound, which I think is kind of neat. And it's an opportunity to explore all the different ways that seniors can themselves take control of their lives and figure out how they can best stay in their homes independently. And so we're just so proud that Meals on Wheels can be a part of that. And so this year, there's a few different things. There's a, All month is Older Americans Month, as you said, but there's a particular week called Senior Action Week, and it's May, May 15th through the 19th. And so a few different things. We just sent out a newsletter to all of our clients and volunteers, giving people the opportunity to share their story, share their story about what Meals on Wheels means to them, how it helps them stay in their home, the impact on their life, either from the senior's perspective or from the volunteer's perspective. And what we're going to be doing is we're going to be gathering all those stories and giving them to legislators. And during that week, there's a particular day in Michigan called Older Michiganians Day, and it's May 17th. And individuals, I'm a, a board of advisors member for the Area Agency on Aging, and there will be members of the Area Agency on Aging Association from throughout Michigan and a lot of different community partners going to go to Lansing that day and take stories with them and really try to put a face to the issue to try to advocate for a number of different programs, including Meals on Wheels and other programs that can help Storytelling. People. And I love that history has come up twice so far on the show and the concept of getting it right the first time and engaging with those who you're going to serve. I think that's really fascinating. And storytelling can work. So does that particular element of this excite you? Because the idea of just bringing a bunch of stories to D.C. sounds like maybe a movie, but this does work. Does that mm -hmm. inspire you? It inspires me very much. And just so you know, Ryan, they may be doing it in D.C., but we're talking about like in, in Lansing, yeah. so locally. Um, but I love stories, and we try to share stories a lot. And I have had the opportunity to sit with seniors. There was a wonderful gentleman a few years ago who was a veteran, and I got to sit down with him and do an interview. And we actually submitted it to the Veterans History Project in D.C. And when it came out, a lot of his family members, his children, grandchildren said, I have never, ever heard those stories. Wow. They're, oh, wow. th sometimes they're, people are hesitant to share their stories that are so personal to them with the people that they love, but they'll share them with, with someone who they're close to, but maybe not family. And it's amazing. And there was a gentleman last year I interviewed and 98 and lives on his farm. And he's like, I'm going to go fix that tractor, you know, he, <sighs> and just the stories that I love to hear are that people are able to live their lives again through Meals on Wheels. Like Karen said, because of the food we do, the safety check, the compassion and visits, some of the most important elements people can yeah. stay in their home and it allows them to continue that story. So yeah. I love hearing the stories. Speaking of listening, Karen, your background is in occupational therapy and healthcare. Mm -hmm. Lots of listening that oh, goes yeah. on there. <laughs> Being a volunteer driver does seem to fit into the wheelhouse in general, and you've been doing it since 2017. But why Meals on Wheels? Because you could be doing anything with your time. There's so much to do in this community. 
True. Why? Very true. Well, you mentioned that I'm an occupational therapist, and I started my career doing home visits and doing home therapy. So totally in my wheelhouse. I absolutely loved the relationship and the time that I would spend in people's homes. And to your point, Lisa, about the stories, I actually had a patient who was in a covered wagon on the Oregon Trail years ago when she was a child. So I love hearing the stories. that On the Oregon Trail, not like the the game we all played where we got dysentery (laughs) on the computer. Really on the Oregon Trail. In That's a covered wagon. Incredible. Isn't it amazing? So, and those are the kinds of stories that they're, if you just ask. Yeah. If you take a few minutes to sit down and ask. How much of your training ever comes through, or do you just find that you just have to be a human? I think human is the number one requirement. You need to want to listen. My training was very important to me, and I loved what I did in my professional career. But this helps me stay in touch with people and it gives back to me. I spend the time with my folks and it recharges me. So there's benefits to being the volunteer driver as well as being the one receiving the meals. So what would some of those benefits be? Well, I actually look forward to my visits on Tuesdays every week because I love the people. I love to hear what's happening with them, but it feels so good to be able to help and to know that I'm I'm having a very positive impact on these folks' lives. Just by putting the food back into the refrigerator for them, making sure that they're safe, making sure that they have what they need, that it's so rewarding. And That's d- very inspiring. Go ahead. I was just gonna I was just gonna add to that because I think sometimes the drivers don't always see the impact because it's not just putting the food in the fridge or saying hello or a safety check or moving the chair. You are having such a profound impact on every single person's life, every single day you go. And they tell us that, like, you're part of their family. And it they, feels that way. Mm-hmm. I know what you mean. Mm-hmm. Yep. If, yeah. if someone were to volunteer as a driver, and I think you're doing this for Older Americans Month, correct? You're having some ride-alongs and telling more stories. What can you expect? It, it sounds like you can maybe expect a, a wide range of emotions. What can anybody expect on a ride-along? Oh, my gosh, yes. The biggest, the scariest emotion is when there's no answer to the door, oh. when we worry that they're not okay, that yeah. something's wrong. But most of the time they're there, they answer, as you said, Lisa, they're, oh, Karen, so glad you're here. I'll be right down or I'll meet you at the door. Right. And there's a sense of pride I think, in knowing what we're contributing for the folks. There's a sense of certainly happiness with seeing how well they're doing because of the meals. And I love being able to take messages back. So many of them will say, oh, I just love the chicken that they sent last week. Let the kitchen know. Let Meals on Wheels (laughs) know how much I appreciate them. Do you find that you have potential guests who could benefit from the program but have barriers to even reaching out? Maybe they're unable, they're ashamed. And are you able to maybe use your current guests as ways to help others feel more comfortable? What's the, how do you do? I hope so. Well, first of all, we try to have it be as easy as possible. So for anyone listening, it's phone number 947-3780, 231-947-3780 is the number for the agency for NMCAA. Press one for Meals on Wheels. 
So we have someone on the other side of the phone who is caring and wonderful and will do kind of an intake. We try to make it as, as easy as possible. And anyone can call. The individual can call who would like meals. There are eligibility requirements is for individuals over 60 and for someone who's primarily what is called homebound. That doesn't mean they never leave their home or their bed bound, but it means it's just difficult. You or I got in our cars, we came today without any trouble. But it's for someone who it's taxing for them or doesn't get out under normal circumstances, or maybe who has a car and can drive, but just doesn't feel comfortable right. and doesn't do it. But anyone can call. It could be a family member, the individual, neighbors, police, DHHS, <laughs> any community organization. So we try to make it easy and we set them up for meals as soon as possible. We also have a part of the program that's a requirement, is that we do an in-home assessment, it's called, that by somebody else that's trained and within two weeks will go out in the home and we'll also make sure that if there's anything else they need and, you know. So assessments. And that that's obviously, again, another theme mm-hmm. in that doing the right thing and getting the right information. How shocking can some of these assessments be? When you do them, how extreme or what is the benefit? How do you put those into play in the organization? Yeah, we, as you can imagine, just come across everything. And so we can have a situation where someone has a lot of challenges with having many, many things in their home. And it's a safety hazard for them or their neighbors or firefighters. And we help to hook them up with organizations. With all the programs within NMCA, we work with a lot of different community partners. We refer people who have issues with home repair. We've gone into houses sometimes and see there's literally a hole in the roof and they haven't told anybody. We've seen different fire hazards and things of that sort so we can hook people up with organizations. So have a, a huge impact. There was someone I can think of who was living in his home almost not habitable actually, didn't have electricity during the winter, etc. And we worked with many different organizations, programs within NMCA and outside of the organization. We got him electricity. He also had a refrigerator that didn't work. We got rid of that, got a new refrigerator. In the meantime, he couldn't really have our meals, but we delivered shelf-stable meals to him. We wanted to make sure he had food, even though he wasn't able to. And now his house is habitable. He's so happy. He can have our meals again, et cetera. So we were saying one thing, if you don't mind me touching mm-hmm, on that. Sure. I was talking about something else, but you were talking about barriers. And so we try to make the barriers as small as possible mm-hmm. so anyone can get meals who's eligible. Right. But what we find is the biggest barrier, and this is what anyone listening who thinks that they could benefit from Meals on Wheels or they know someone could, is people feel so hesitant. They think, oh, someone else needs the meals. No, I should be able to do it myself. And I have two sides of my head. On the one hand, 70% of the funding needed, we have to raise in the community. We only receive 30% right. of our funding so from federal small, and state funds. So a mm-hmm. small portion of your funding is kind of guaranteed, not guaranteed, but mm-hmm. more solid-ish. 70% of it needs to be raised. That's right. 70, yeah. 70. And nothing is guaranteed. Even that 30%, right. we estimate that, but we just never know. Yeah. So anyway. On the one side of my head, I'm always fundraising and talking to the people that could raise that 70%. On the other hand, if I hear from seniors who could benefit from the service and like, no, I don't need it, I'm begging them to get the meals because this is what we're all about. This is what our mission is all about. We're here to serve them. And so that is the biggest barrier is people do feel like ashamed or for whatever reason, like you lived your whole life for other people, please do it for me. I was like, please do it for me. And so, and we're usually able to to talk people right. and say, okay, just try it out. Try it out for a week or two and you'll, you'll love the driver and you'll love the food. And the other thing is many times people will tell us that their neighbor probably could need it. And so recently I have a gentleman in an apartment and the lady across the hall 
he says, well, go knock on her door. So I knocked on her door and I met her and I told her how it worked and I gave her the phone number and she's now on my route. Is that what community means to you? Is that a tenant totally. of community? Now, that's somebody who's looking out for a neighbor. That's somebody who's saying, you can help, and that is spreading the word. But again, there are other people who are not able to reach out, are not inclined to reach out. So there are ways to do so. And engaging with the organization, you can do it in a lot of different ways through the website, through the phone number that you'd mentioned as well, correct? So the theme already that I see emerge with working with an MCAA is you are cared for. And you're cared for by people. You're cared for by processes. But is that something to you? Does that come from the top in an MCAA? How does that come down to you? What is the elements of service for both of you? I think it's both. There certainly is a strong mission at NMCAA to support the community, to provide the services people need to remain in their homes safely. There's also a personal mission. And for me, this absolutely speaks to that personal mission of supporting and acting in a way that supports the people around me and their spiritual health, their physical health, as well as my own. And I would agree. I know Carrie Bachman, who's the executive director, was just on the show. And so when you were talking about from the top down, she's an amazing person. And she really personifies what NMCA is all about. She is a wonderful organizer and facilitator and promotes and helps to make sure we have all the processes in place. NMCA is very process-oriented from the standpoint, we want to be organized, we want to be efficient, we want to have good systems, always continuous quality improvement and making sure we have the systems in place. And that's so that everything works like a greased wheel, wheel mm -hmm. if you will, <laughs> so that when people call, then we have the personal touch. Right. Um, NMCA is nothing without people. Mm -hmm. And like you said, it's people like Karen and all the 150 other staff and volunteers at, at Meals on Wheels and 350 people within NMCAA. And so we have all these good processes in place that are very efficient and work well so that when someone calls, we have all the tools we need to be able to help them as soon as is humanly possible. 150 volunteers. Is mm -hmm. that, that's mm -hmm. amazing. Mm -hmm. I don't think that I've ever heard that number. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So volunteers are maybe not something that you're, are you looking for volunteers at this time? So right now, unfortunately not. And that, and the reason why is because COVID had some changes and we used to deliver a hot meal every single day. We have two kitchens. One, we very proud to collaborate with Goodwill um, that we help produce meals in Grand Traverse and Leland County. Then we have our own kitchen in MC kitchen in Cadillac for Wexford and Misaki counties. So we delivered hot meals every single day, and it was great. And we had, for volunteer routes, meaning we had five different volunteers for one route. When COVID happened, Kim and I sat in a conference room, my boss, and we said, what are we going to do? We used to have 15 routes come to Goodwill on the same day. It was a big love fest, which was beautiful, but sure. not during COVID. <laughs> and so we said, what can we do to keep everybody safe? So literally in a day, we had to pivot and change our model. We didn't go one change day. Change your model. Mm -hmm. That's what it came down to. That's right. Yeah. And so we're like, okay, we need to deliver food. We have to get it to people. We can't be interrupted. We didn't interrupt at all. But we said, how can we shift things? So we worked closely with the kitchens to say, how can we have this food but do it differently? So what we decided to do was create frozen meals. We used to give that for the weekends. And we deliver it during the week for the weekend. So we did some frozen meals. We get up at five in the morning, we scratch cook the meals, and we flash freeze them, and we freeze them every day. So it looks like a TV dinner, but it's not. Scratch cooked and delicious. So we used to do some frozen meals, but what we decided to do was make all frozen meals. So that what that enabled us to do was have the route go once a week. 
And so that enabled us to have different routes on different days and stagger the meeting times so that we wouldn't have all the different volunteers at the same time to try to keep them safe, try to keep the kitchen staff safe. And then by delivering the same food, but less frequently, we could reduce exposure for the clients. So we did that. And I definitely am an air on the side of caution type person. And so three years into it, I'm still like, we got to be safe. Um, and so, but we started <laughs> a doing- a lot of responsibility. Mm-hmm. And as you talk it out, looking around the room, you take that seriously, mm-hmm. you know, because this is nutrition, this is health, mm-hmm. but it's a lot of people you're taking care of and you mm-hmm. had to pivot the whole mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So are frozen meals still what we're working yeah, with so today? It's, so it's interesting as COVID was changing and it, you know, it would change and then we'd go back to being concerning, et cetera. We started surveying our clients. We're all very patient centered. The organization is very client centered, patient centered, client centered. Sure. And we want to know about choice. And so we started surveying clients and saying, if we were to safely go back to hot meals, would you like hot meals or would you prefer frozen meals? And as time went on, we've surveyed hundreds and hundreds of clients. There's a small majority that wants the hot meals, can accommodate the frozen meals. People need to be able to heat them up in the oven or the freezer or, you know, keep them in the freezer. First of all, they have to freezer, heat them up in a microwave or oven. They could accommodate that, but they just kind of wanted them. But I wanted to make sure there wasn't anybody that couldn't have food because they didn't have those things. And so, but some people just kind of preferred it. But the vast majority of the people wanted the frozen meals. And that's because one is we don't, we never leave the food if they're not there. Because part of it is we want to make sure the food is safe and it's a safety check and to be able to see people like Karen. So we never just (laughs) drop off the food like some other like mail order food services. And people have doctor's appointments. They have to be homebound, but they have a lot of different usually health commitments. And so they have to be there. And so now they can only, they have to be there one a week. They can kind of schedule all their appointments around it. And two, it used to be they'd get a hot meal every day. They had a menu, but if they didn't like what was having that day, or if they couldn't eat what was they're having that day, they'd cancel that meal. We'd work hard to get them another frozen meal, but Mm -hmm. it was a lot. And so now they can get, they can choose what they want. They can tell us what they want or what they don't want. We put that in their record as the kitchen staff is pulling meals. They can say, oh, okay, they want more fish. They want less fish, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so it's nice. They can choose what they want. And then when they get the food, they can say, hmm, what do I feel like today? Wow. As opposed to... And that's uh, mm-hmm. a mode of technology that's right. also coming into play mm-hmm. to be able to track preferences. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. We had in our system, we have an amazing client database that an, an individual in Florida created for Meals and Was programs across the country. And we were like, okay, we need to be able to track this. Okay, let's add this. Let's do this. And we were able to track the survey and print reports. And So delivering just once a week to our clients, then does that allow us to take on more clients? Because um, we, I know we have a lot of volunteers, but are we able to add more routes, I guess, is the question. Well, so some of it now then comes into, well, first of all, anyone who's eligible, we accept. And so that is anyone who is eligible, we have them. But the system has, you know, some differences. And so we still have the same number of clients we're caring for. It's the same number of food costs that we're accommodating, things of that sort, and some challenges on the different days of, you know, the week and things of that sort. So I would say Anyone who's eligible, we're able to accommodate them. And also with, there's been rising costs of inflation and transportation and food costs and things of that sort. So in this year, we've been experiencing a pretty significant gap, if you will. And there was COVID funding during this period of time. But then that ended, but we still have the same need. But we are 100% committed 
to making sure we do not have waiting lists. I want to say that we do not, not, not (laughs) have waiting lists. And we are committed to raising those funds that we talked about, that 70%. And that number has grown of how much we need to raise. But we are committed to doing that through partners. Um, We had a fundraiser in March with Moomers, and we had amazing sponsorships through business organizations and things of that sort. One of the other things we're doing during Older Americans Month during the Senior Action Week, or if people are available after, you mentioned doing Mm ride-alongs. And those are for some individuals who are legislatures in the counties to try to make sure we can get as much support. So you're putting Mm -hmm. them in front of Karen (laughs) Uh and going, I dare you. Yep. <laughs> to not support us. Exactly. Exactly. When Karen, when you think about all these changes that were coming, and I see you nodding like you understand the business, you understand the nuances, but all this seems appears to maybe make no never mind to you. Your mission is clear. You need to take care of your guests. Yep. However you're doing it. But there was some impact to how you operated your day a little bit with sure. frozen meals, but sure. did nothing change? Well, and- Oh, no, it changed. (laughs) Obviously, there were five people who had the same route as I did, for instance, prior to COVID. So when COVID hit, one of the other people kept that route, and so I went to a different route. So then I had a whole different group of people that I was delivering to, and they had a different driver. So there was some adjustment there, for sure. One thing that many of them liked was that the meals came And not only could they pick which one they wanted to eat, but they could pick what time to eat it. When we were delivering hot meals, they were locked in to eat right then in order for it to stay hot. And we really encouraged them to eat right away and not let it sit out. So that was a change. Obviously, we all wore masks. We changed our process where prior to COVID, we would go into the homes. We would sit down with them, help them with things, such and such. With COVID, we switched to leaving things making sure that they were there, wearing masks, of course, and using hand sanitizer, but leaving things on a stool or a table outside their door, then stepping back and watching and make sure that they got it. So a lot of changes in the process, but still, again, as Lisa said, always for the safety and the what was best for our clients. So it's got to be really rewarding now that things are starting to slow down to be able to have that connection again with with those clients. Yes. So are you still on the same route also? I am still my COVID route. Wonderful. And and I was given the choice if I wanted to change around and you fall in love with them. (laughs) (laughs) We've got people and I've had some of our clients who have passed away. Their spouses have continued or, but I always get notes from them saying that we appreciate everything you did, and would you come back still? And <laughs> so it's all about relationships, and it's all about supporting our seniors. And Erica, I realized you asked a question, and then I was talking so much about volunteers, et cetera. You asked, do we need volunteers? And yeah. so, as Karen said, you know, there used to be five people for each route. And when we changed to this, there were several volunteers who did not feel comfortable there because sure. of their own health conditions who said, I can't really volunteer right now. Mm-hmm. Then we had others like Karen and others that said, no, I'll, I will do it. I'm yeah. going to be in the trenches. And we were one of those essential workers that could be on the roads when no one else could be. And so right now we have a situation where because we have less volunteers, we do have less need for volunteers. And so there's not, we don't really have as many openings for that. But one of the ways that people can support it would be to donate. And mm-hmm. we're mentioning the website. So it's mealswheelslove.org. Yeah. I have to say my son was eight when I started and we were kind of thinking of a, of a website name that was easy to remember. And he said, well, mommy, you deliver a lot of love with the meals. Call oh. it Meals Wheels Love. And it just kind of <laughs> stuck. Really? Mm-hmm. I love that. 
Yeah. That's a great story. That is a great story. uh And so people can donate on the website and... And we are mentioning having these ride-alongs, not necessarily to become volunteers, like I mentioned, for legislators or different donors or sponsors that have been involved with Meals on Wheels or would like to support Meals on Wheels to be able to really see what is the impact of their donations. And like you said, one you don't have to say a word. They just have the experience and they get it. Yeah. They just, they have that heartwarming experience and they get the, mm-hmm. they get it. They get mm-hmm. the, Yeah, that's really cool. So we mentioned the kitchens. You said we have two kitchens, so Goodwill in Traverse City and then also the kitchen in Cadillac. So can you talk a little bit about more about what the process looks like in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. So what do, what does it look like every day? Yeah. Let's start from the beginning, which is the the menu. And so like I said, we have we have state regulations that require what the nutritional guidelines are. We have a program that puts all those requirements into that and when we create the menus, we have that and can print off nutritional guidelines. So if someone is managing diabetes or kidney failure or whatever, we can give them the nutritional information for all the meals so they can do that. And our kitchen manager creates a cycle menu of potential meals that combines the different nutrients for each day that meets those requirements and also looks at cost for each day. So the goal is to maximize as much quality and deliciousness for the lowest, you know, for yeah. and, and and considering cost. And then I actually get involved and then create the menu with the, all that expertise because I t- take into consideration the feedback we get from clients on an ongoing basis. Some people love fish, some people hate fish, you know, <laughs> things of that sort. So then we have a menu. And so then the kitchen staff gets there five in the morning and they look at the menu that they've ordered what they need ahead of time, try to look at expectations of how many clients we'll have, which we never know because, as Karen said, unfortunately, we lose some clients because they pass away or they move or, they, or then we have new clients. So it's always kind of a guessing game of how much to order and how many people to prepare for, you know. And then through this amazing client database, like I said, then we keep track of all of that, what the client's schedule is who's on hold, who's back from hold, things of that sort. And so every day we send them kitchen requirements, it's called, and it tells them each day, this is how many meals you have. And all the different preferences, these are people who need their food parade. These are people who need their food cut up. These are people who don't want fruit, do want fruit, don't want bread, do want milk, you know, things of that sort. So all those different things. And we have a meal pattern that's, again, required by the state. So it's an entree, two vegetables, fruit, milk, bread, and that's kind of the meal pattern that keeps up with the nutrition. So they get there five in the morning. They know how many meals they're making. And then it is an operation. You will see mm-hmm. every surface covered with these trays. It's called Oliver trays. They look like a TV dinner again, but they're blank because the scratch cooked food is going to go. They start preparing the food. And like I said, just putting a lot of love in the meal, trying to make it delicious without, you know, we have reduced sodium. We don't want it to be too spicy, but yet we want it to be flavorful. Mm-hmm. We have a Where's variety. Where's the reality show on this? <laughs> I know. I know. I, know. This, we, a day in the life. We've talked like about it. the opposite it. of yeah. Hell's Kitchen, like Heaven's Kitchen, maybe. That's right. Yeah. I love it. I, I, hopefully kitchen. there's not a whole bunch of, you know, hollering like there's kitchens not. can be, but the yeah. intentionality. and. Again, I don't know how many people know that this is a home-cooked meal. This yeah. is a scratch-made meal. Scratch-cooked meal. Yeah. We were just talking about the, you know, and we look at like, oh, broccoli, that gets mushy. Let's not have that. So I was talking to the kitchen last week, and we were talking about um, spinach. Oh, well, I have my grandma's recipe for, for cream spinach. I mean, literally like, you know, grandma's recipes for things so, and making sure it meets the nutritional guidelines, but putting that into yeah. place. So would you say some of those kitchen workers, I don't know if we have a title for them, kitchen but staff. kitchen mm-hmm. staff, would you say they're the unsung heroes? They are behind? completely the I mean, I mean, they have chills. 
just completely the unsung heroes. And like you said, Hell's Kitchen, Heaven's Kitchen. I love that. I think we should have a reality <laughs> show because there is not yelling. There is they collaboration, like a, a well-oiled well machine. Yeah. Oh, um, my gosh. And talk about wheelhouse. And they just love what they do. There's no better joy as a manager that involving people and just really understanding what people love, what is going to inspire people and make people just so happy every day doing what they love, whether it is the kitchen staff that are making the meals behind the scenes, whether it's people on the phone that are doing the intakes, talking to clients, whether it's Karen and 150 other people that are delivering, whether it's someone who's paying all the invoices or deposits or things of that sort, all the pieces in place to make sure. But yeah, so. After they make the meals and package them, then they also package them for the clients. So when I arrive at the kitchen, I just pick up a grocery sack that's already packaged. It's got their name on it. It's got any special dietary requirements, diabetic or whatever, right on the box. There's a wonderful list that Meals on Wheels provided. So it tells me whether they need regular milk, 2% skim or no milk. And it's so simple to just load everything up. And I get all the credit. That's the yeah. best part is I arrive with these meals and they're just, oh, thank you for this. I just And you love... took credit for cooking them and too, right? Yes. At 5 a.m. <laughs> no wonder everybody likes her. I mean, seriously, the cape not... probably flows in the wind behind you as you're entering. No, but that's great fun too to be able to go back and say, so-and-so just really loved the chicken meal that they got last week and thank you so much and you're just a bunch of angels here. And it's really fun to take those messages back to the kitchen That's staff. That's so great. That's so great. And as we're, we're talking about the meals, what the impact is, too, Karen mentioned this, but how well they're doing because of the meals. And that cannot be underestimated. We have, we've talked to people who received information from their doctor that they have diabetes, they have this or that. And after they have been on the meals for a while, seeing their actual health statistics improve. My... A1C went down, this went down, this improved, blah, 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 Be- because right. of the meals. So I lost weight, I gained weight. You're stating weight. that happens, but you're saying this is a great benefit of engagement and mm-hmm. the healthful eating and a great meal mm-hmm. served in a wonderful way too. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of food is medicine part that we work really hard to make sure that the food is, and I always say it's, it's nutritious, all those state guidelines, they're great, but it's got to be delicious or people won't eat it. And so that's where the love of the kitchen staff comes into place to create these delicious meals and portion control and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And they are delivered in such a loving, beautiful way that it makes people want to, you know, want to have them. I do think a meal at a restaurant tastes better when it's served <laughs> by somebody who maybe clearly likes what they're doing mm-hmm. that day. Mm-hmm. Well, also this when, is on a broader scale, and it starts in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Well, it starts even before that. Mm-hmm. And when we think about, you know, what are our greatest memories in life? They're around the table. They're around the table. What do we do when we try to when we go out? Let's go out. Let's have a meal. Let's meet for coffee. Let's meet for lunch. Meet for dinner. Oh, special occasion. What do you do? You get together for a special dinner, and so it's around the table. And so we're not able to really sit down with our clients and have a meal with them around the table, but we're there. I think we're there. And I think feel us when they're there. When they open up that package, it's not just a package. They're probably sitting alone. But we're sitting in all the other chairs. They know that Jennifer, who's on the phone doing the intake, is right there with them. Karen, who delivered the meal. They haven't met the kitchen staff, but they know someone delicious you know, and wonderful made that meal. And I think that we keep them company while they're having that meal. And it makes it delicious and it makes them want to eat it and stay healthy. 
Oh, that just gave me chills. <laughs> <laughs> That's so sweet. Just the whole message is sweet. And I want to kind of touch on that. Like, obviously, we are there, like, to encompass them and keep them, you know, the warm and fuzzies. But also, like, so you had mentioned at the very beginning, like, not the senior citizen themselves might be the one to call, but it might be someone else in their family. And maybe they can't get to them every single day. I think I've mentioned to you in the past, like, my grandma receives Meals on Wheels through another program. And, you know, my mom is her caretaker, if you will. She doesn't care for her, but she makes sure all the things are taken care of. And so, you know, how are those people impacted that, like the the family members, do they reach out to you and tell you, you know, thank you so much and, and those types of things as well? Absolutely. I have one person that I visit with now that her daughter has my number also. And so she'll call and it's fun because the person doesn't have grandchildren herself that I deliver to. And I have a grandson. So she's always asking me about my grandson. Her daughter has the cell phone so I can send pictures to her daughter. And then her daughter takes the pictures over to her mom to show her pictures of my grandson. So, yep, we're very involved with the family. Sometimes they're present at the house when we come. Often for the first time we deliver, mm-hmm. we'll see a family member there just to kind of check us out, yeah. make sure they're comfortable. And I always enjoy being able to introduce myself, explain, answer any questions, and let them know I'll be here every Tuesday at about this time. And it's important that they're here, that I'll make sure that they're here, that they're safe. And if for any reason they're not, I'll let you know right away. And I think that gives a great sense of peace of mind to the family to know that somebody's looking in on them on those days. I was going to say, we were talking about that a little bit more. I thought I'd just touch on a little bit more about our emergency procedures. And we were talking about all the different processes are in place throughout the agency to make sure what we're doing is is effective and safe, et cetera. So we have a whole emergency procedure we created years ago, and it is what happens if you go to the door and someone's there, wonderful. What happens if you knock on the door and they're not there? If the door is open, we actually encourage people to go in, look around, make sure no one has fallen, making sure they're not there. And so, and before I took this job, I used to work in healthcare and I was on a floor that had code blues, you know, et cetera. And I thought, well, it's food, you know, it's not going to be that. Well, I never realized how many times we would have to call 911. And so when somebody comes upon someone who's fallen, you know, or worse. And sometimes we've called 911 and actually been the person to save their life. It sounds a little bit hyperbolic, but it's true. And sometimes, and and called family members, sometimes we've enabled people to see their family members before they passed away. So, So we have a whole emergency procedure and maybe the door is locked and maybe it looks like, okay, maybe they just have an appointment. The drivers usually have a sense that something is not right. And so we'll call. We'll call the emergency contact. If someone isn't there, we look into it right away um, and make sure the person is okay. Or maybe they've, sometimes they've walked off. If someone has challenging with dementia, you know, things so of that sort. So you know what you signed up for. Mm-hmm. You know what you signed up for. There can be those challenges. The smiles on your face. <laughs> and I know there have to be challenging days. So are these stories and these connections enough to make the challenging days less challenging? Absolutely. Without a doubt. I think we bring so much good to our clients, to their families, just with a a meal and making sure that they're safe and and a little helping hand to, like I said, move a chair or remove a rug or something like that. You just can't put into words 
how that relationship values both the client and us as drivers to know that we're helping somebody stay in their home. We're helping somebody stay safe. We're helping somebody regain their health and to be able to live independently for a little bit longer. Yeah. And I know talking with you, Lisa, in in past conversations, you've talked about how keeping them in their homes can also keep them from having to be in senior living facilities or potentially other options. So can you talk a little bit about the impact on that? Mm -hmm. Yep. So um, there's an organization called Meals on Wheels America. And like I said, every organization is local, but it provides resources for all the different organizations that provide Meals on Wheels. And it does a lot of studies and statistics and things of that sort. So it did a study, and it talked, if I remember this correctly, that the cost of Meals on Wheels for a whole year is equal to about a day in a in the hospital or a week in the nursing home. So it is. It's a really good. It's, it's not that's just, a, that's a good fact. It's a, uh-huh, yeah. that we tell the legislators and the funders <laughs> that all the time. So the whole cut the you can whole just leave year. That right there. Ex- leave it right there. And so it just it, not only does it feel good. It's nice. It's wonderful. But it makes good business sense. It makes good business sense for our legislators of our state, federal levels to invest in Meals on Wheels. That's what the Older Americans Month is really all about. It's trying to promote advocacy at all levels, local, state, federal government, to support programs like Meals on Wheels that can help people in the home because it's a good bang for the buck. It really is a good return on investment, not only just a feel-good thing. And you're asking, is it enough? And so, yes, I've been here 11 years, and I wake up every day more inspired than the next to keep doing what we're doing because I really believe in it. I believe that the seniors deserve to be taken care of, and I think it's an extremely effective program that provides really good outcomes, and just the outcomes are both in terms of quality of life and health, and just it feels good for so many other people involved. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for being here. I just wanted to confirm real quick. So the website is mealswheelslove.org. And can you repeat that number real quick again if somebody wants to reach out? Mm -hmm. 231-947-3780. And then they'll be prompted to press 1 for Meals on Wheels. Awesome. And they can also donate on the website. Yes, please. That is one of the biggest needs right now for Meals on Wheels of NMCAA. Thank to you both again for being here. Ryan, thank you again for being my co-host. My pleasure. (laughs) And so as we continue with the podcast, we'd like to share community stories regarding NMCAA. If you have a story you'd like to share about how NMCAA or Meals on Wheels has impacted your life, send us an email at collectiveuspodcast at nmcaa.net. Join us next time as we discuss NeighborWorks Week. And if you would like to learn more about Northwest Michigan Community Action Agency or the programs we offer, or would like to make a donation, we encourage you to reach out at 231-947-3780 or visit our website at nmcaa.net. And to our listeners today, we encourage you to continue to strive each day to do something to help yourself or your neighbors.